you, Jesus. <clears throat> we give you all the glory, Lord. We gather as your people and we come to bless your name, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. And we welcome you here. When two or more gather in your name, here you are in the midst of us. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. And I thank you for all that you've done for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Thank you. Pray for your presence to fill this place. Pray for every person here to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Free their minds, Lord. Free their hearts. Free their bodies. Because you died on the cross to us. Thank you. From today, give them the mindsets. They are winners. They are overcomers. We are victorious. Because Sunsets free is free. Thank you for the freedom that we have today by the Spirit of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Pray, Lord Jesus, today that we can grow in your wisdom and we can mature. That we feed on your word. Respond to you. Thank you for everything you've done, Lord, both seen and unseen. Thank you for your grace that's upon our lives. Thank you for calling us sons and daughters. You may be seated. Can we just put it up a little bit more, please? Not that I want to hear my voice, but... How are we all today? We good? Thank the Lord. Who's ready for today? Yes? No? Yes? No? Okay. Who has been enjoying the topic about wisdom? Yes? Good? Uh, the puzzles are connecting together, right? It's amazing how the scripture shows us how we are to walk. And I shared last, um, last week, or I think the week before, that Jesus walked in wisdom and stature. And the Bible says that if any of us lacks wisdom, we are to ask God. And we, we learned from the Word of God that wisdom is an ongoing uh, teaching that God gives us. It's not a one-off prayer and it ceases. It's something that you grow in. Meaning, wisdom is a teaching from the Holy Spirit. 
But it's just interesting how the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's been connecting wisdom for me. And last week, I think we got a reality check about complaining. And we are forever learning of how wisdom is restricted from our lives. So I encourage every person that was listening to go back and have a listen. Because your answer is in the message. That we come with an expectation today, right? Let's go quickly to Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. Just to backtrack a little. Can everyone online hear me? Yes, no? Okay. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. We're good? Okay. So here, we see here that wisdom is a house. Who, who is the house today? Us. Wisdom is a house. And the Bible says that you can... You can, um, can you can dress it up with fine pearls and fine diamonds, something that you dress yourself up. So here we learn that wisdom is a house. Um, it says here that she has hewn out seven pillars. Um, the word hewn means to carve, to carve wood or stone, meaning that we are a house now. I showed you from the scriptures last week that we are living stones. Uh, meaning that the stone is continuously growing while it's being carved, meaning that we are always to be teachable, first and foremost to the Holy Spirit, then to the Word of God, because it shows us how we are to grow. And it shows us, on the other hand, how we can resist the wisdom from our lives. Not everyone walks in the wisdom of God. The opposite, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness, meaning that the foolishness of man's uh, rebellious nature or ignorance can be blocked. And do you, does, do you want that to happen to you? Anyone here? Do you want wisdom to be blocked from your life? Yes or no? No. So we are to pay attention, right? We have to pay deep attention to his word. This is a bit interesting because wisdom is much deeper than you think. Wisdom speaks about a structure or a building. It shows you that you need to be in this. You need to be committed. Because let's say you get a loan out to build a house. Yeah? What is your goal? What is your goal? To furnish it? Finish it? What is it? To live in it? You know, it's a, it's a picture like us. See, unless you build that building and you furnish it, the Holy Spirit can't come and live inside because we can furnish the building, but ultimately, who's the one that wants to come and find residence? 
Do we have a building, but who wants to dwell in it? Holy Spirit. And he wants food. He wants a, a, a good stone. He wants a good house. What does that show you? You've got to be in it. But for the people here that are half-hearted, be careful. Because God wants a finished building. You know, in Matthew, it tells you, you know, the one who sits down to build a building, he needs to first count the cost. What does he say he needs to first look back and count the cost? Because when God calls you, you can't turn back. You can't look back to your old life. Are we understanding this all? The one who looks back is not worthy of me. This is Jesus speaking. Thank God we can speak to each other. Jesus spoke more direct. It's about a building here. Jesus wants a building. And wisdom is what erects the building for the Holy Spirit to come inside of us. So let's pay attention here. We go to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18 quickly. This is interesting how the Holy Spirit showed me how to put wisdom together. But most of all, what I get from this message, the Holy Spirit's mostly showing me how wisdom is rejected, how wisdom is restricted, how wisdom is actually spoiled from receiving it. <clears throat> so here, we learned that there are seven principles of wisdom. It says here, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So, just to go back to that scripture. The doorway to wisdom is humility. If you don't have a humble attitude, you cannot be teachable from the Holy Spirit. So, what, what is the gate to wisdom? Humility. What does humility tell you? That they have a good attitude unto themselves and the Lord. They are teachable. So I'm going to teach <laughs> a bit different today. But first of all, they are teachable. Next scripture, please. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. We spoke last week about it. The opposite of pure is what? Complaining and many more other things. I didn't hear any amens last week. But, but, but it's okay, as long as we're reflecting and we're seeing how we need to change and become like Jesus Christ, good. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Today, I'm speaking about peaceable. Now, We spoke about first 
that the first foundation for wisdom to be established in life is to be pure. That's the first foundation, the most powerful foundation. Now we're going to speak about peaceable. It's very good. But you're going to see here, there are two types of peace. There are two types of peace. And you're going to see how, or what the word peaceable really means. But let's go into it anyway. I'll let the teaching speak about it. So the word peaceable for whoever is following is from the Strong's 1516. And the word is Irinikos. Good time. Irinikos. Yeah, yeah, I'm speaking Greek. <laughs> so the word is, that's how I pronounce it, Irenikos. Yeah, it's pretty good like that. So the word peaceable, the word peaceable, the Greek means three things. The first one is rest. The first definition is rest. So the second stage of wisdom, peaceable, wisdom is designed to give you what? Rest. How does God do that? You're going to see from the scriptures. The second one is loving peace. The third one is quietness. So what a, what a beautiful treasure to walk in these, right? <clears throat> so let's look at this here. We're going to look at some... Challenging stuff. In the, in the Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the word peaceable is defined as not contentious. Not contentious. I'm going to give you So there's three. There's four words of the opposite of peaceable. Let me speak today. So not contentious. So peaceable means not to be contentious. I'm going to give you the definition of contentious itself. Are we on the same page? So this is here. This is an indication of why wisdom can be rejected from your life. Or how can you block the process from growing in wisdom? Because what did Jesus do? He, he grew in wisdom. Now it's a level. The stages. And what, are the, what is the first area? If anyone remembers the first scripture I quoted last week, that the greatest principle of wisdom when one begins their journey is what? The steadfastness of? Anyone remember last week? The first scripture I quoted last week, that we should all remember the what? The steadfastness of God's? Of God's what? Love. That's the greatest principle of wisdom. How we begin is God's love. That's the main foundation of what does for us to grow. Love. When you're loved, naturally you change. Right? And when you naturally change, you become pure. Now here, 
when things start to get a bit deeper. So, contentious means having an aggressive or fighting attitude. So, please, throw the stones later, but let me speak this message. Not contentious. So, contentious means having an aggressive or fighting attitude. Now, it's more of an internal character, eternal heart issue. Contentious people are likely to cause disagreements and arguments from within them and without them and from the external. Now, this is a, this is a, very, different, this is a very powerful one. I'll show you the root of contentious, why people are like that. Are we ready for this one? This one's going to hit some nerves. Exhibiting and often... Exhibiting an often perverse and wearisome tendency to quarrel and dispute. So here we're talking about perverse and wearisome. Now let me explain, please. Perverse means showing a deliberate desire to behave that way. Say it again. Perverse means showing a deliberate desire to behave that way meaning they are difficult, this is people in general, they are difficult, troubled, uncooperative, stubborn, disobedient, unmanageable, uncontrollable, rebellious, which naturally leads to tendency, quarrels, and... That's the first word of perverse. Now, wearisome is a bit different. Now, this can fit into our people. So, wearisome means, are we ready? So, let me, let me go back. Let me go, let me go back first, please. Contentious means having an aggressing or aggressive or fighting attitude. Contentious people are likely to cause disagreements and arguments from within them and from the outside. Now, look at this here. Wearisome means, wearisome now. A person who is weary, a person who is weary, meaning exhausted, fatigued, crushed, demanding, punishing, grinding, tough, Heavy, hard, tired, stressed, unexciting. This is from the definition. Unexciting is pretty, pretty good definition. Unexciting, burdensome, not interested. This is where we get the word dull of hearing. You know how the Bible says you become dull of hearing? This is the main reason why people have become dull, dull of hearing. Because they're weary. They've been wearied out. Please pay. pay attention. This is blocking wisdom. Now, let me go back. A person who is weary, exhausted, fatigued, crushed, demanding, punishing, grinding, tough, heavy, hard, tired, stressed, unexciting, burdensome, not interested, dull, draining, boring, 
challenging will have a tendency to quarrel and think about that one. Let me read it again. Let me read it again. So a person who does that, a person who's contentious, is they've been robbed of their own self and they give naturally from what's inside of them to other people. So, so let's say, are you feeling these things? Now, I'm not saying you are, but just listen to this. Are you constantly exhausted, fatigued, crushed? Do you demand from others? Are you punishing when you don't get your way? Do you see life as a grind? You're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding, forever grinding. Pay attention. You're tough. Your personality is tough. Your character is tough. Be tough, you know, just drag it off, keep going. There's issues here. But let me keep going. Heavy, you're always heavy. In life, you're just heavy. You're hard. You're always hard. You look at situations hard. You're always tired. You're always stressed. You're unexcited anymore because you've been robbed from inside of you. Listen. You're burdensome. You're always burdened inside of you. You're not interested. You have no interest anymore. Dull. You've become dull of hearing. Isn't that interesting that the doorway to dull of hearing is weary? been wearied out, wearisome. You're always drained. You're boring. You're challenging. You're always a challenge to deal with. We'll have a tendency to quarrel and dispute. Why? Because what's inside of them. Remember, we're talking about peace here now. We are talking about peace here now. Why people cannot receive peace is because they're contentious people. These are all the fruits. These are all the fruits of a person who's contentious. Now, it's not normal for a person to stay there. Now, naturally, the outcome of a person who stays there becomes dull of hearing. What's that mean? You can't hear from God anymore. It's not normal. The wisdom tells you, I've got to diagnose my problem and I've got to get out of it. But many people don't think to have a problem. You have problem? You sure do. And when you be true to yourself, then you can bring that to the Lord. See, many people don't think they have a problem. You know why? Because the whole world suffers from that. But we are not to be like this. We are free. God wants us to be walking in His peace, which brings what? Rest, quietness, loving peace. See, you've got to diagnose What's blocking wisdom that's wanting peace to come into me? First, number one, am I a contentious person? I ticked, I ticked some doors in there, if that makes you happy. I ticked many doors in the beginning, especially in my journey, but I got to see them. Thank the Holy Spirit that he let me see them. And I was able to work with him to get out of that. What a danger it is to be stuck there. True? What a danger it is for anyone to be stuck there. Did God save you so he doesn't speak to you? He wants to speak with you. 
But isn't it interesting that a contentious person, the, the final result is he becomes dull of hearing. And one may think, do you wake up like that? Or is it a process? Isn't it interesting that Satan's main focus is to weary you out so you don't hear from God anymore? And God help you if you don't hear from God anymore because you can't get out, you stay stuck in that situation. But wisdom tells you, I can see my issue. Wisdom tells you, I can see my issue. What a danger is when you can't see what's happening inside your heart. Is that true? Certainly it's true. See, the Holy Spirit's navigating this message. He's actually navigating this message. I sit with a blank paper and I ask the Holy Spirit, okay, how, how do I bring it across? But I sit on YouTube and I listen to 50 or 100 preachers and then I bring it back and I put it all together. The Holy Spirit navigates why? Because God is a God of what? Not of disorder. Not of confusion. But wisdom tells you that your house is built well, right? So many people don't know how to build a house. Jesus saved me, Jesus loved me. It's as far as they go. And they hold on to their testimony from 10 years ago. So a person, the perverse is more of a pride. Wearisome is more of a, I've been emptied. Perverse is a pride, showing a deliberate desire to behave that way. It's pride and ego. Wearisome is a bit different. They mean who's exhausted. They're gasping for air. They have no life in them anymore. Different. There are two ways the enemy attacks here. See, uh, Jesus knows that if we, don't go in ris- if we don't grow in wisdom, the enemy along that path has come and snatched something from us and tried to enjoy life without peace today. That's why so many people are struggling. Because they don't have peace which produces rest. That's why so many people are not enjoying their journey. Right? Yeah, because they're exhausted. Can you worship God when you're exhausted? Can you serve God when you're exhausted? All you do is complain and you destroy all the people even around you. True? So are you a contentious person, perverse, showing a deliberate desire to behave that way? You don't know what you put me through. You don't know what I feel towards you. See all these things? Danger. Wearisome, a person who's exhausted, fatigued, crushed, demanding, punishing, they don't get their way. Grind, life is a grind. You know, life's a grind, just keep getting up, doing your thing. Not like that with Christ. He wants you to have joy every day. Isn't that true? How many people today have that mindset of a grind? Grind, I mean a grind. True. 
we're here, we're speaking honestly with each other. It's not meant to be like that with Christ. He's always heavy, heavy and hard, tired, stressed, unexciting, burdensome. Isn't it interesting that when you're weary, even your joy gets stolen from you? So true. That every person may hear me, you're speaking to me, you're speaking to me. Holy Spirit speak to you. You can change from today. If there's anyone miserable, <laughs> if there was anyone miserable when they started the journey, it was me. I was so miserable. I had no joy. And isn't it interesting that when you don't have joy, you can't change? Because peace, which produces rest, gives you joy, joy of the Lord. That's why so many people don't have strength. Now we're hitting nerves now everywhere. Not interested. How many people read the gospel and they pray? They're not interested. You know, the truth, the truth be told to you today, you've been wearied. The enemy has strategically stole you, uh, drained you, robbed you. Because that's what the enemy does. Before he oppresses someone, what does he do? He wearies them down. So guess what? Wisdom gives you eyes. What? Wisdom gives you eyes. Why? To see the enemy from far, not close anymore. You can be prepared. Say, I'm not going, I'm not going to accept that. Because that's the plan of the enemy. Right? Wisdom allows you to see the enemy from far. Foolishness allows you to suffer the consequence. How many believers today have suffered the consequence of the enemy? The truth to be told to you is because you lack wisdom. Because you lack wisdom. Because wisdom builds her house. The Holy Spirit wants a house that's built, well uh, nourished, nurtured. Established. There are a lot of people, unfortunately, the enemies are already in their circle. They already weary them, rob them. And the pattern takes place. That's just the first word. There's another three more. There isn't an interesting when you're weary, naturally you'll be prone to dispute. Naturally, you'll fight others. You know why? Because you don't have it inside of you. And that's where covetousness and envy comes. When you're wearied out, you become an envious person, a covetous person, because you want what you don't have when you see other people happy. Are we awake today? <laughs> uh, you know how God taught me this? I went through this much. That's how God taught me. Because I was that person. That's how I knew that I am to change because I was that person. And Jesus can change us. If you're truly committed and you're walking with him, he can change you. But I'm just showing you the enemy. See, the enemy, the only way the enemy can rob you from the wisdom is for you to operate in foolishness. 
So do you carry a, a contentious heart? Because the opposite of contentious is not being contentious. Where peace is. So God wants every person to walk in peace. Isn't it interesting that when you walk in peace, when you walk in rest, naturally healing is not far behind. We agree? When you walk in peace, when you walk in rest, guess what's following? Your healing, your deliverance, your rest. No one can be healed when they're not resting. The whole heaven comes to teach you when you're at rest. But how does God build that structure you're going to see here? Now, the next word from the word peaceable from the Webster's Dictionary is not quarrelsome. The next word. So the first word was a not contentious, so I spoke about contentious. So the word quarrelsome. Are we ready? We ready, someone? Okay. You know why the Holy Spirit gets me to start from here first? You know why? Because we all start like this. We don't wake up with the wisdom of God. We wake up with the opposite, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why God gets me to start from the bottom. Because the moment you come born again, you're in right standing with God, but you still have a character, a personality, a conscience, a heart that God has to renew. That's why the Holy Spirit gets me to start from the bottom. So not quarrelsome. So the word quarrelsome means, are we ready? To be irritated and to be a moody person. But the irritation one is... Uh, is. So the word quarrelsome means to be a quick-tempered person, a hot-tempered person, a bad-tempered person, a person who threatens, argumentative, full of disputes, bickering, aggressive, Stresses an ill-natured readiness to fight without good cause. The next word for peaceable, the next word for peaceable from the Webster's Dictionary is free from strife. Now it's interesting here. This one is a little, little, little treasure for us. Strife means exertion or contention for superiority. Isn't that interesting here? That strife, the main goal of strife is for you to be more superior than others. The whole world is built like that. The whole world today is built like that, even in the body of Christ. Pay attention. The, the word strife means exertion or contention for superiority, meaning you're in competition to be more advanced, to be more dominating, to be more great. You're in competition to be better quality and in leadership better than others. Now, this is the word of the opposite of peaceable. Why so many people can't walk in God's peace? Um, where's Chris? 
Chris, very ugly. Yeah, can you just bring him inside? I have a video, I don't know if you can show it. I sent it to his messenger, calling him to get it prepared for me. Now, are we ready for this? The word strife, you got to look at your, you got to, remember that video I sent you three weeks ago about the race? Helping on your messenger, can you just have a look? I want to try to bring it up here. I forgot about that, but I want to share it. Are we ready for this one? So are you in competition? Because you won't go too far. You won't go too far. Not in this place anyways. So the word strife means to be superior, better than other people. So I, I sit with a lot of people, they always say what they're doing for God and what they're doing in this life. There's truth about it, but it's very dangerous. Are you ready for this one here? The next word for strife is warfare. So that's where the word comes from, strife. Means to go through warfare. And someone may think I'm dismantling Satan's kingdom, he's dismantling you. He's dismantling you. You're not dismantling him. Satan's dismantling you. When you're in com competition and you're trying to be superior, better than other people, inside the body and outside, Satan's dismantling you. And you're in, you're in a warfare that God doesn't want you to be part of. So what attracts warfare to your life? Someone here? What attracts warfare to your life? Satan's attacking me. Satan's doing all these things to me. Unfortunately, it's for the wrong reason. Now, yes, Satan can attack people who operate in God's kingdom. I'm not against that. But most babes, uh, little children, when they start their journey, they're in a warfare because of these. We agree? So, Chris, do we have the... We've got the video about the race. So here, to be superior, this is the opposite of being superior. This is the opposite of being superior. The man's just going to win the race and his body shuts down. He's not at the finish line yet. This is the body of Christ. This is what the body of Christ looks like. Look, and the man was going to win first. He was going to win the first. Number one, this, this fool here, Judas, he ran before him. Look what he done. Look what he done. This is what the body of Christ is like. And he put it in front of him. This is the body of Christ. The other one is the Judas. It's true. It's actually true. That's how we are to be. That's the mind of Christ. That's how we are to be in the eyes of Christ. 
you train all your life to come first, and the man that failed, he grabbed him and he took him forward. We have a lot to learn here in this place. We have a lot to learn. And there's still a lot that I want to share with you. But we have a lot to learn about God's love. A lot. But he's helping us slowly, slowly. Imagine training all your life to come first. And yes, we are in a race to win the goal. But this is how Christ sees us truly with Is this your heart? Because that's Jesus. That's what Jesus. Fortunately, when you want to be superior, you're in competition. Cut down anyone to get to that. Unfortunately, that's what the body of Christ has become. interesting that strife strife comes from trying to be superior you're in competition and look what it says here strife is a deeper issue within your heart where there is disunity disharmony division and fighting who wants wisdom be the enemy of wisdom the whole world teaches you to live like this the whole world t- The next word for peaceable from the Webster's Dictionary, free from disorder. We go quickly to James chapter 3, verse 16. I read it from before, but I... Not 13. 16. Now, I'm talking about disorder here. For where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, there is disorder. The uh, uh, believer today, unfortunately, if they're operating in a life, their life's in disorder, the truth is you're walking in a demonic wisdom. How do you feel about that? You know how I would feel about that? I would run to see how I'm going to get out of it. That's how I feel. Run to get out of it. And it's interesting here, the whole world tells you what, what, what promotes people to work harder, what promotes people to work harder, what promotes people to be better than people is two words here, jealousy and selfish ambition. And here the Bible says there's disorder, unrest, because you'll never be at peace 
because it's not given by the grace of God. But it's interesting here, there is unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice is there. So let me keep going now. The word disorder means, simple, a lack of order with God. Deeper now. It means to be dislocated by God. Have you ever dislocated your bone? Anyone dislocated their bones here? No, so whoever is this? Uh, past Tony. <laughs> so isn't it interesting that when you dislocate your bone I have and you're still connected to the body but you can't function inside the body so to be a person of disorder lacking wisdom means you feel disjointed dislocated disorganized confused messed up mixed up Disturbed, upset, and the last word's a big one, snake pit. That's the definition of that word, a snake pit. Does anyone know what a snake pit is? Yes or no? A snake pit is, (laughs) you're in a pit with snakes. Yeah, man. So it means to be dislocated and disjointed. Let's quickly... We'll go to that scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 17. Uh, you want to read it, Becky? No. I don't want to read. Uh, where's Daniel? <laughs> Daniel's my interpreter. That is my interpreter for English. He was laughing at me last time. <laughs> uh, you want to read Daniel or no? Becky, you'll read? So read it. Okay. So here we're talking about how through the wisdom of God, how peace is established in one's life. Because before she reads, remember, you're in right standing. God, but you have your heart, you have your character, you have your personality, you have your conscience, you have your mind, that has to be renewed. So how does God produce his peace in you? Here, he's showing you here. Okay. So great a cloud. Put it up a bit more, please. Who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and one who brings our faith to maturity. All right, so stop there. The first thing that 
Jesus deals with is the sin first that cleverly entangles us. It's designed from the devil to cleverly entangle us. You know what it means to be entangled? Imagine you have a rope around your feet and you're trying to walk. That's what it means to be cleverly entangled. Yeah? You're actually, you can't walk anymore. That's what it means to feel like you're trapped. Now the first thing he focuses on here is on our sinful nature. That we are to close the door to our sinful nature. Number two, he's sharing with us here about distractions. Distractions. Number one, sinful nature. Number two, distractions. Keep going. Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, stop there. Uh, what trials is he speaking about here? He's speaking about when he starts to deal with your sinful nature and your distractions that are not of him. Do we understand? Yes. Uh, keep going. You have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the divine word of encouragement which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not make light of the discipline of the Lord, and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him. So stop there. So he corrects you on the basis of your sinful nature and your distraction. Okay, and that's not a walk in the park. That's not an overnight fix. It's a journey where all your commitment needs to be with him. Okay? For the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves, and he punishes every son whom he receives and welcomes to his heart. You must submit to correction for the purpose of discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction and with discipline, which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate children and not sons at all. Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we submitted and respected them for training us. Shall we not much more willingly submit to the Father of spirits, live by learning from his discipline? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short time, as seemed best to them. But he's dis he's, he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right standing with God and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. So then, strengthen hands that are weak and knees that tremble. Cut through and make smooth, straight paths for your feet that are safe and go in the right direction, so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather may be healed. Stop there. 
You see that word there? You see that word disorder? That means to be dislocated. He's talking about this here. So everyone here who's been disciplined regarding their sinful nature and regarding um, distractions and they've learned from it, will, they've been trained by it, will grow. But those who go through certain things in their life and they don't learn from it, they will stay the same. So imagine you, imagine you getting disciplined by the Lord as you all are now. You're getting disciplined by the Lord. And imagine you're not learning when certain situations come of the areas that he wants you to focus on. Guess what happens? You look at the situation as the problem and not the heart. Okay? So keep going. Is that it? Continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble. By it many be defiled. Oh, stop there. Why would resentment come to the surface? Can anyone give me a response to this? How does resentment got to do with God's discipline? How can someone reject God's discipline and naturally operate in a resentment or a bitterness? How? Can anyone? Offense? Offended at who? God. Offended at God. Anyone else? Uh, more of an offense. At the process? Offended at the process? Yes, very good. Can't. Pride? Yes, very good. What does pride say? Why does it have to be this way? Or deals with that too. Anyone else? Rebellion? Jealousies? Unforgiveness? From no, it's about, it's about God. Yeah, it's about God. This is about the process here. This is about God getting your attention. Can I ask you something here? Does God discipline anyone without understanding one major principle, one major motive? It's what? To purge sin from your life and purge distractions from it. How, uh, how many areas in your life now that needs to be addressed? How many distractions in your life now that has to be addressed? Start to see there's many. But you start to see why discipline was designed by God. And unfortunately, when your world comes crumbling down, the only way God can get your attention. True? The only way God gets your attention, are you meant to stay there? You know what Keep going. And see to it that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that later on, when he wanted to regain title to his inheritance of the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no opportunity for repentance, 
There was no way to repair what he had done, no chance to recall the choice he had made, even though he sought for it with bitter tears. Mm. No, interesting there, bitter tears. How many people cry when they suffer without a response to God that I want to change my life? Isn't that interesting? That the true wisdom of God that was designed to give you peace was designed by what? By you accepting discipline. How many people are crying bitter tears to God today? And they're not crying out of a heart of change. That discipline was designed to produce what? Peace. Because, think about it, when discipline brings peace, the enemy is outside of your heart. You're not operating in sin anymore. Your distractions are not for the world anymore. And that's where peace is produced. Does that make sense? So think about it like this. Discipline was designed to get the devil out and the appetite for sin outside of your life. And naturally, you're walking in God's peace and rest. But that is the truth. So imagine you complain when God starts to discipline you. And you start to look at the external things of why you're feeling like this rather than the internal. That's the body of Christ today. So many, so many people can't fathom the idea that God has to discipline me. Now he loves you, yes. But all your life you fed yourself with these things. God has to slowly take them out of you. Does that make sense? Okay. We read Psalms 119, verse 165. This is regarding disorder, right? So let's read this here. Great what? Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them. Now he's talking about the Old Testament here, but he's given us an analogy of that when we love God's commandments, Nothing in us can make us stumble, but greater than that, we have a great peace. Why? Because there's order in our lives. We've learned God's truth for our lives. And isn't it interesting that they couldn't enter his rest because they didn't learn his ways? The majority of God's people couldn't enter into God's rest because they didn't learn his way. What is his way? To live like Christ. That's his way. So, Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Let's read this here and get into some deep teaching. Okay, so let's read this here. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified, that is, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact we have peace with God, the joy of reconciliation with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Messiah and the Anointed One. Now, isn't it interesting that our peace was claimed, our peace was claimed at the cross? Yes? Yes, but... On the other hand, you have your character, you have your mindset, 
you have your heart that has to be transformed and renewed. Do we understand that? So your spirit is of God now. Yet on the other hand, you have your heart, your character, your mind that has to be renewed. And this takes time. So look what it says here. Through him, we also have access by faith. Now he's given us access into two areas now with God. We have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace. Now isn't it interesting? One would read this and look where it's leading you to. We have now access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Now look at the next principle. This is hard scripture for people. Because understand this now, we've been justified by our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Anything we go through now is to transform us, is to mature us. It's not so we can get closer to God. We are in right standing with him. He paid that price for us. But here, we, are, we have now, we have the spirit now, our spirits lined up with God. We have our character and our heart that has to line up together now. They have to line up together. They can't be opposite. So look what it says here. That we have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we, which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and his power. Now you read the next one, you say, wow, this is challenging. And can we get it up, please? And look at this here now. It says, and not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships. Now, he just spoke about remarkable grace and the remarkable faith in which we stand, and it's driving us into suffering. It's driving us into hardships, distresses, pressures, troubles, because it's what? It's exposing what's inside of you. As long as your life is going good, you can never see what's inside of you. Do we understand that? And that's the truth of mankind today. When everything's going good, you never get to see the layers, the multi-layers that's really inside your heart until you go through troubles. And you know, a lot of people today, we, we engage them very wrongly. We engage them with a mindset that they're going to destroy us, they're going to derail us, they're going to kill us. But Jesus designed them what? To transform you to transform you and to actually make you stronger. So what looks like an enemy has to be looked like it's your friend now. Hardships, struggles, trials, they're your friend. But when Christians, when it comes to Christians today, we start to we start to shake. <laughs> we start to shake. We start to tremble because we think that these things have come to kill us or derail our faith or to actually destroy us or to crush us. I thank God for my hardships, my distresses, my pressures, my troubles. For many years I went through them and I never questioned the Lord. You know why I thank Him? Because I didn't get off my knees. 
my prayer life made me the person I am today. I thank God for my weaknesses. Why? Because I didn't get off my knees. I prayed. I learned how to pray. I learned how to get out. And you know people today, they learn to live with it. They learn to accept it. They learn to just become a friend with their hardships or a friend with their trials. You've got to understand God's way of dealing with you. God lets all these things happen to you for one reason, to make you stronger. To make you stronger, to make you prone, to make you... Uh, to make you bulletproof. You know, today, Christians, they're spoon-fed. Sit down, feed. We are so overprotective where God wants to throw you in the deep end to actually make a man of God or a woman of God to let you go through everything you have to go through so you can become strong. Today, Christians, like, it's okay. Okay. Like this, Christians like this today. They don't learn how to fight. They don't learn how to pray. They don't know how to stand in victory. There are men of Christians today that have accepted defeat where that thing was designed to actually make you stronger. Is the reason why so many people are weak today. Because they haven't understood God. Why God lets all these things happen is because don't get off your knees. A lot of people, Christians, they're spoon-fed. We're scared to let people go through whatever they have to go through to become who they want. You know how many people I've let go of in the last year? Because they have to go through whatever they have to go through to become the man or woman God that God's chosen them. Some people say, why are you letting go? Why are you not speaking to me? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit has to take you down that place of a boot camp you're in the mud you're climbing up a rock you're going through quicksand you have to go through these things because if you don't go through these things you won't see your weakness you won't see your troubles and people hold on this is your fight we're in it together yes but it's your fight you have to learn to fight we can fight together but you have to learn to fight because God wants to build your character so your enemy, your enemy is not the trials, it's the hardships. Your enemy is if you accept him, that they're your destiny. That's your enemy. Because what was designed to make you strong wasn't designed to make you fail. And so many people, they complain when these things happen. But your peace is in the discipline. Your peace is what? Look what it says here. And not only with that, with joy let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardships, distress, pressure, troubles produces patient endurance. And endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity and proven character, hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. 
And look what it says here. Such hope in God's promises never disappoint us because God's love has been poured in us abundantly within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So your peace is, your peace is letting the Holy Spirit deal with these things here. That's your peace. When people go through weaknesses and troubles, today we can't see God in them. But God sees you maturing. Some, some take it and they accept it as their, as their life that they have to carry. No struggles, no trials, no hardship were designed to stay in your life. They weren't designed to stay in your life. They were designed to make you stronger and then God gives you the victory to move forward. No trial, no hardship. When I was in all of them, I thought to myself, when is it going to end? And I thought to myself, let's not speak like this anymore. Let's focus on maturity. Let's focus on becoming more like Christ. And guess what happened? From looking at the storm was looking at my heart. I couldn't, I couldn't see the storm anymore. I was looking at my weakness, what I was actually lacking. That was allowing God to actually mold me become the way I want. So no storm, no distress, no pressure, no trouble, no hardship is designed to actually take you down. It's designed by God to produce peace in you. Why? Because when you're relying on Him, guess what happens? When you rely on Him, guess what happens? All those things that you used to rely on yourself disappear from your life. And that's how it's meant to be in our journey. Paul said it like this, he said, he said, it's like the sentence of death came upon me. He goes, but this came upon me, so I don't rely on myself, but I rely on God who raises the dead. So you've got to begin to understand, Paul said, I faced the sentence of death. You know what that means? It means that he felt like dying. He felt like he was going to die in his spirit. He goes, this came upon me, so I don't rely on myself, but on God who raises the dead. So all our weaknesses, we should be rejoicing because another part of you is going to become like Christ. Bulletproof. So all that warfare and all that challenges and all that hardship and all that trials, I thank God because that's what kept me on my knees. Not with the blessings. The blessings didn't keep me on my knees. The trials kept me on my knees. And there I learned how to pray. Lord, take it away from me. Uh, I say now, uh, more, more, more. Because I'm getting stretched to become more like Christ. And when I become more like Christ, more of his glory comes into me. More of his wisdom comes into me. So I really know how to help people. Because I really know what they go through. Imagine you don't go through something, you're trying to preach the gospel to them. You want to know, pray, read the Bible. I went through that. You give them comfort. Yes, I went through that. Really? Yes, but this is how I got out. You begin to understand. The greatest glory, Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Yeah, when he's weak, he's strong. Why is he strong? Because he learned where to draw his energy from, his power from, where his glory from was from the Lord. But as long as you're comfortable, you'll stand off your knees. You'll stand off your knees. When blessings come upon your life, thank you, Jesus, for everything. Hallelujah. When struggles come, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me, Lord? He wants to draw his power in you so you can grow. 
you begin to understand we are so scared of sufferings and hardships and trials. We are so scared because your world's like crumbling down, but it's not crumbling down. God sees you excelling. Sees you excelling. But on the other hand, the other people, they accept it. That's, you know, I'm just struggling. I've just got to, I gotta, I gotta um, accept it. That's who I am. I've got to accept it. No, you have to fight against it. You have to grow and become like Christ. <clears throat> so I wrote this here down. Let's, let's read this here. You cannot build courage without danger. You cannot persevere without obstacles. You cannot be compassionate without suffering. You cannot be patient without tribulation. You cannot produce character without adversity. The only reason why God allows us to go through these things is to develop proven character and spiritual maturity, which changes and transforms you. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I've got a few more scriptures. So how does God get peace into you? How does God produce the wisdom of God, which is peace? How is it? How is it? Discipline. He disciplines. Because when the enemy is outside of your life, when the character of the enemy is outside of your life, when the mind of the world and the enemy is outside of your mind, you walk in God's peace. Do you understand? So, Lord, give me peace. Let me build the foundation. Lord, give me rest. Let me teach you how to walk and live in my word. So he gets your attention. He really gets your attention through trials and hardships and distresses. And we are not to shake anymore like it's the end of the world. We need to thank God because he's brought his attention to you so you can actually wake up and really focus on him. And look at that. For Paul to say, I learned to be strong when I'm weak, he didn't get off his knee. So when things get taken off Christians today or believers, they tremble. The devil's attacking me. He's not attacking you. God's trying to discipline you to show you that he's your provider. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And he shows you, fear bought you this blessing. Your own desires bought you this blessing. But God reshapes your life to show you that you are to rely on him. So I share with you, peace is birthed through discipline. Your character is proven. And so many Christians, they're scared to go through these things. And I said in Brazil, anything that's not tested, it's not genuine. We are so good at preaching the gospel. When we go through things, we crumble. We're so frail. But I'm here to tell you that when God wants to produce peace in you, which is true rest, it's when you have learned his truth. How many people want to walk in God's peace? How many people are lacking God's peace? The reason is because you're faltering in the process of discipline. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Look at this here. 
Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. Now here he's showing us a major key of why God gives peace. And what does the Bible say? The, the, um, the beginning of wisdom is what? The beginning of wisdom from the book of Proverbs is what? Fear of the Lord. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. Now, what was the doorway for peace? What was the doorway for peace? And what was the doorway for, for, the, for the Holy Spirit to comfort them? One principle, the fear of the Lord. Isn't that interesting that they were multiplied? God multiplied that church. They were truly comforted in the Holy Spirit. They were truly edified. Isn't that show you? Isn't that show you the true doorway for you to for you to be edified? You know what does it mean to be edified? What does what's another word for edification? What's that, sorry? Built up. Isn't that interesting that the doorway the doorway for God's peace and the doorway for you to truly be built up is when you operate in the fear of God. You know, too many grace preachers today, they talk about the love of God without the fear of the Lord. Do you hear? doesn't focus on love here. He focuses on the fear of the Lord because when the fear of the Lord is in your life, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit can comfort you because there's no more doors for the enemy to, in, to infiltrate anymore. Isn't that interesting where peace is produced? And so many people, they get it wrong. They say, my peace was purchased at the cross. Yeah, your spirit was purchased. You still have your mind, your heart, and your conscience and your personality to be renewed. See, they get him confused. See, the new man, once you become born again from above, you have a new man. What's left? Old nature to the new nature. You see the difference? So you're a new man in Christ once you become born again from above. Then you have your new nature that God wants to instill into you. And all your life you've been fed like this. So the Holy Spirit brings you to your knees, unfortunately, to actually begin to deal with those things that are multi-layered. Some are very deep. The people are scared. Don't be scared. Because it's the only way that true peace is going to be given to you. Yes? Who's scared of discipline today? And who would dare to say, Lord, discipline me? <laughs> oh, no, that one. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you see? Now you start to see. You see what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He will discipline you. But let me tell you one thing. The greatest lie that can ever enter your heart is that it's not going to, I can't have peace during the discipline. You can have peace during the discipline. Because if your heart's willing to change, the Holy Spirit will move everything to make sure your path goes well. So the greatest lie you can ever believe is that along that path, it's going to be hard. That's a religious mindset. You can have peace during the process. 
But if you harden your heart, I can't help you. I can't help you if you harden your heart. Romans 8, 6. We all know that scripture. For to be kindly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you begin to see the wisdom of God, of how peace is given to you. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places now, at the right hand of God, so are we. We are seated with Him now. What does that mean? You have a mindset of the will of God in your life. No longer yourself. We go to... Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. Now, what does it say here? The God of what? Yeah. In other, in other um, epistles or books, it says the God of love. But here, he's trying to establish something in you. It says here, May the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, you know what it means, everlasting covenant? We are in an everlasting covenant through the blood. It cannot be reversed. We are inside of it now. Now we have our character, our mind, and our heart to be renewed. That's the only place now that needs to be linked up so we can move forward. Uh, next, please. Make you complete. Now, what makes you complete? talks about the God of peace. Look at the first one. Make you complete in every good work to do His will. Working in what? It is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see here the true meaning of peace. The true meaning of peace or when you walk in the true wisdom of God which is peace Peace was designed not only to stand guard over your heart, but it was designed for you to be taught by God. When you're at peace with the Lord and you're walking in that peace, it's so easy to get taught by Him. But when you're irritated and you're unresting and you're operating in a contentious person, it's very hard to get taught by the Lord. We agree with that? Everyone can grow when they're at peace and they're at rest. And I just showed you all the different meanings of why someone can't enter into that place. And I'll just read them out again before I finish. To be contentious, to be perverse, to be weary, to be quarrelsome, to be strife, full of strife, and to be a person of disorder. You begin to see how I'm spoiling the wisdom of God in my life. So I encourage you from today. To learn that wisdom requires all your attention. And we can we have the choice to move forward or a choice to get stuck in this area. Amen. Alright, so I'm gonna pray for some people that are
I'll open the platform for people that are sick. You can move this table, please. Physically sick. I thank you for coming. But let me share something with you. The Holy Spirit's orchestrating every teaching. And it's your duty to receive it with open arms and to cultivate your heart so you can begin to move forward. Because wisdom is a beautiful thing, especially the peace. The greatest, the greatest gift that we can walk in with our days on earth that we have from God is peace. Because when you have peace, then you can really enjoy life. Yes? Imagine you don't have peace. What a, what a terrible life you will live. And that shows you that God has to build order in your life. That, that shows you that God has to discipline your life. To remove the world and to remove sin and to remove the devil from your life. Because discipline is to deal with the old nature where you were entangled from the enemy. And that's a process. So don't be discouraged today, whether you're old or whether you're young. But just know, whether you're old and young, it's the same. It is the same. And the more you humble yourself, and the more you move forward with him, your reward, you get a reward, peace. That is your greatest reward. Imagine serving God, you don't have peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you spoke to your people, and that you have given us the words of life. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Pray for every person here today, Lord. They can grow in your wisdom. Pray, Lord, for more of your grace, wisdom, to be imparted to them, that they can be true with you all the days of them. Help them, Lord. Fresh them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Look to you. Where does our help come from? Help comes from of heaven and earth. Worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. We can do nothing without you, Lord. We move and we live through you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Pray for every person, Lord, that's in a snake pit, that by your blood, your eternal covenant, blood, for them today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Our victory is now, not tomorrow. 
victory is right now. Faith is right now. Believe that you receive what you Believe it. By faith you receive it. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Presence. Thank you. I keep seeing someone who has ulcers. 